hey, to- this is totally random. I actually haven't done it at uh, Crux before, but I felt like there was a word I was supposed to give someone and it, it was supposed to be out here. And so, sorry, I told Diana to tell you to stop eating because I didn't want to call you with a big mouth food on. <laughs> so, But, um, Jay, I actually saw, I was sitting here and I looked over and I saw basically the Lord was saying the reason you were supposed to be called out in front of people is because he's putting a spotlight on you. And I saw him basically beginning like, St. Almas, it's like you were in a season of not being noticed, but he said, you're going to be noticed. And I saw you teaching and I saw you speaking almost as like an author. And I saw you like walking and almost like presenting like the mother heart of God uh, in a way through your writing and through your words and through, and I saw you giving people value. Like it was like you were standing up here and you were speaking and the value was being imparted into people's lives. Like the value of a mother when she hugs her child, you know, that kind of like I'm loved. I saw you doing that. And I felt like God said, you need to be called out corporately because he's calling you out and he's just saying, like, you have value. You are noticed. You're not a face in the crowd. I see you. I see the desires of your heart. I see. Can you stretch a hand out to her real quick uh, and just say, we believe in you. This is your family. We're for you. You're not behind in the dark and the shadows. You're, he's saying you have something to give to the body of Christ. You have something inside of you. And tonight I'm talking about faithfulness and he's calling you out because he says you're faithful. You have been faithful. You have been steadfast. Even when your emotions are like a roller coaster, he says you've chosen to be faithful. Day after day after day after day, in and out of every hard season, you've chosen to be faithful. And he says, I'm so proud of you. And, and like a proud dad who's like stands up awkwardly in front of the crowd and is like, that's my daughter. And you're like, oh, dad this is awkward. You know, that's what he's doing right now is he says like, I don't care. She's my daughter. (laughs) I don't care if I embarrass her. She's my daughter and I'm proud. And so it was enough to like, I haven't done this at Crux before. I just gave some word, but it was so strong. He says, you have to know, you have to know. I see you. You have to know you have something to give. So we just bless her. We, and we just love you. You're amazing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, um, we, uh, guys tonight, I'm super excited, um, to talk about uh, something that she apparently already is very good at, faithfulness. <laughs> and uh, can we just take a moment and just say, just just get quiet for the Lord and, and just take a second. And just say, Jesus, I want more of you, no matter the cost. Whatever it takes, I want more. Amen. It's a simple prayer but it'll change your life. (laughs) And so tonight, guys, uh, I'm super excited um, to be with you guys. um, I'm so honored and I'm so blessed to be here. And I'm excited because Thanksgiving is officially over. I'm one of those guys where I don't like to talk about Christmas until after Thanksgiving because I feel like it's like maybe it's because I'm a middle child, you know, and I'm just like, wait, give Thanksgiving its turn. Like, don't talk about Christmas yet. And like the turkey deserves its turn, right? And then now, but now he's gone, he's over. So now it's Christmas time. And so we have this whole next month. I don't know about you guys. I got my Christmas socks on right now. I wear these almost every day. I know Dominic's got a whole bunch of pair uh, of Christmas socks, and we just we just love it. We we love it. We love it. Yeah, my socks say ho 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 on them. And we're, I'm just so excited for this season. I love the seasons. God made seasons. It's beautiful. 
he made. It's beautiful. I love it when it's springtime and there's like, oh, everything's dead and now it's coming to life. It's so prophetic, you know? But then I also love it when it's summertime and it's like, let's go to the beach. Let's go hiking. Let's go do all these things. There's life and the sun's out. But I also love it when there's when it's winter and it's cold and all of a sudden all the leaves fall off the tree and you can see for miles. The, the season of winter brings so much clarity and you can see for so far and you reflect and go. I just love it. I love the seasons. I love this season of Christmas time. I love it. And so guys, tonight I wanted to talk about how to be faithful in the season that you're in. How to be faithful. Like how many, of you know, like you're like, I love winter. You know, I love it. It's great. And then in the middle of summer, you have those people where they're like, Christmas in July. And you're like, dude, give 4th of July its turn. You know, Christmas will come. It's okay. You know? And so how many know just because you wish it, you can't make springtime, wintertime, right? You have to ride out the season, right? And doing Christmas in July, it's cool, I guess, but it's kind of weird because it's hot and I don't want to put on like jacket, you know? And like you live in the season you're in. And so I want to talk tonight about season of faithfulness, staying faithful to the season God has you in because it's so hard. We're so prone to want to jump to the next season. Like we all do it. It's just... I'm the first one, right? And so guys, I want to, if you can turn with me to uh, Genesis 6, if you don't know where that is, God gave us a beautiful thing called the table of contents, um, and it will tell you Genesis is on page one. So go ahead and turn to page like four or five or whatever it is. Um, at Genesis 6, it's the story of Noah. So many of us, who's heard the story of Noah? Lots of people have heard of it. It's one of those Sunday school stories, which is kind of weird if you think about it, because you're like, Sunday school, God destroyed everything, you know? And so it's like a weird, like, huh, that's interesting, you know? But we've heard it since we were little kids. And so here's the story I want to talk, because I believe Noah has one of the most beautiful spirits uh, of just faithfulness in the Bible. And, And so... Uh, starting in verse five, I'm just going to kind of skip through for the sake of time. And I'm just going to speed read a little bit. So follow me along. Oh, it's up there. Awesome. But I'm going to kind of jump a little bit as well. So starting in verse five, verse five and six, it says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth and it broke his heart. To me, that's the saddest verse in the Bible. (laughs) It broke the heart of God. See, sin, the reason it's, to me, it's like, it's not, it's not because it breaks his law. It's because it breaks his heart. And that's why it's a big deal. It separates us from his heart. And so, uh, let's go. I'm jumping down. Verse 13, if you can go with me there, says, So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out all, or all out along with the earth, build a large boat from Cypress, and waterproof it with tar inside and out, then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Jump down to verse 17 with me. He says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. 
pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground. I really wish he didn't say that because I don't like spiders. And so uh, he says that the, they will come in and they will be kept alive. I don't know why two spiders made it on the, on the ark. I just wish it didn't. You know, the T-Rex, I guess, wasn't fast enough. He didn't make it. So, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Okay, so I'm going to re- real quick recap. I'm just going to do the quick, uh, what I call the Taylor International Paraphrase version. It's kind of like the message. It's more of a, yeah, that you can look it up. It's common on the U version pretty soon. Um, but basically, it says Noah received, there's a moment, Noah received a word from God. Okay, picture Noah. Put him in our day. He's just a human. We don't know anything about him. We don't know if he's this big holy guy. We don't know much about him. He says the whole world was wicked. So we don't even know how good Noah was. We just know that he was, for some reason, chosen by God. He had favor on his life, undeserved, you know, all this thing. God found him to be righteous. You know, he is uh, just a good guy. Like, he's just a good guy. But no, he doesn't have the law. So he, Moses hasn't come yet. So he doesn't know the rules of God. He doesn't have the New Testament. So he, he's in this awkward limbo period where there's no law to follow. There's no grace and no, no, there's no old covenant or the new covenant. The old covenant is new for him. Like there, there's nothing. And so he just, it's just, it's just him and God. And he's just trying his best. That's the guy, right? And so we basically know, I don't know. I picture it like this. Um, I'm taking some liberty because it's the Taylor paraphrase version. But basically he wakes up. Morning, Devo time, gets whatever the ancient version of his cup of coffee is, and he walks out, and he sits there, and he's like, oh, God, you know, Yahweh, I love you. You're amazing. You're so beautiful. And he's like, oh, I love you too, Noah. You're great. I love you. You're like the literally the only person on the earth that loves me right now. And he's like, oh, yes, it's me, God. I'm in first place by default. There's no one else. And so um, he won the race, but there's one person in the race, so, you know, that's great. So, But he's like, I love you, Noah. You're just the best. Oh, thank you, God. I love you too. And he's like, hey, Noah, I have something for you. Yes, God, I'm going to destroy everything. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the verse, get behind me, Satan, but I'm going to say something like that because it hasn't been written yet. So just get behind me, devil. I don't know. Just, just That's not God. I was distracted. Okay, I'm sorry, God. I love you. Worship for 20 more minutes. Okay, God, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm going to destroy everything. <laughs> what? And I'm going to use you to save the world. (laughs) And he's like, what? Me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bring a flood. It's going to destroy everything. Water. It says in the Bible that it hadn't really even rained yet. So water's going to fall from the sky. Destroy it. That'd be the equivalent to us being like, fire's going to fall from the sky and burn up everything. We're like, what? That's never happened before. And he's like, water's going to destroy everything. And he's like, what? That's crazy. Like, and, and he's like, and I'm going to bring every animal that exists to your front door and they're going to get in even the cockroaches even the cockroaches they deserve to live too man okay you know i guess it's i guess if it's you god and uh, i trust you i guess you know and, and then they come and all, all this stuff right and he's sitting there okay god so you're going to destroy the world and then god says here's the blueprints and he literally gives him the inch by inch blueprint right on how to build the ark so it's god's design god's plan god's reign god's bringing the animals everything like that and then he looks at noah and noah's like so what do i do and he's just like you're gonna build a really big boat that can hold everything that ever lived and he's just like oh dang 
Oh, dang. And you, the question comes, is it's God's plan. It's God's outpouring. He's bringing the animals. He's bringing the, the whole thing. He's doing all of it. Why does he need man? If man's the problem in the first place and he's trying to clean up man's act, why does he choose to use man? God could make a really good boat. God could make, uh, he made the wood that makes the boat. Like he, he could do a good job a lot faster, a lot cleaner, a lot of things. Why did he choose to use man? Because at the very, very, very beginning, he gave dominion to man. And he said, we're doing this together. God will often limit himself for the sake of relationship with you. He will actually pull the reins on uh, on his plan and slow it down just so that you can have a part in it and he can partner with your heart. He is not a God of control. He's one of relationship. And he says, I will literally slow down the, the plan for 60, 70, however long it takes you to build the ark and then my plan will come. And we see this moment where Noah has a choice to then operate in faithfulness and follow this crazy word of the Lord, right? Uh, or, or not. And you see the sovereign plan of God and the free will of man collide in this moment into a simple act of faithfulness. That's how you change the world. You don't have to be someone who's a good preacher, don't have to be someone who like you pray for someone to get healed 100% of the time. You don't have to be the perfect person. But when his call goes out, are you willing to say, okay, I guess I'll do it. If it's you, God, I I guess I'll show up. (laughs) And so what I love about this, guys, is God chose to partner with man. Why? Because it says in verse 18, I will make a, I will confirm my covenant with you. He made a covenant with man and he will not break his covenant. Even if his emotions are, I want to destroy everything. He literally submits it underneath his own covenant. God submits his own emotions underneath his own covenant. That means God doesn't live based on his emotions, but based upon his word and based upon his covenant. That's why it's so important that we live based on the word and not just our emotions. And so guys, going back, let's see here. What does this mean for Noah? Okay, so basically, uh, so Noah basically just showed up and said, okay, the one verse, the only insight we get to what Noah did It was verse, I think it's 22, where he just says, so he just did everything God commanded. He literally just, okay. (laughs) Okay, that's all we know. That's all we know. And so the, the reason this is a big deal, guys, and the reason what this means for us is that so often we are these, these people, and I do this all the time, where I'm like, well, if it's God's plan, he'll just do it, right? If it's God, why doesn't he just do it? You know, and if it's really the Lord, that's how I know he'll do it. But that's that's just not always in the Bible. So often it is his plan. It is his will. It is his desire. But for some reason, he wants a co-signer. For some reason, he wants somebody to do it with him. For some reason, he says, let's do this together. It's like a good father who says, let's build a tree house to his son. And he comes up with the plan. He provides the resources. He does everything. But he says, I'm not going to build it unless it's with my kid. 
right? And, and you, you can have three sons, one who's got a degree in architecture, one who's a scholar, and then like a little five-year-old who knows nothing. And if the two first ones are just like, no, I don't want to do that. That's stupid, dad. But the five-year-old's like, I'll do it. You know, the dad's like, let's do it together. He's not going to choose the one who has the credentials. He's choosing the one who says, dad, I'm in. Dad, I want to. Dad, okay, let's do it. And then you see the whole thing, like the dad's carrying the wood and the little five-year-old's hanging on the wood trying to help, you know? And you see the whole, like, montage before you of, like, like the kid's trying to help and he's making it worse, you know? And then at the end, he's like, Mom, I built a treehouse. And the dad's like, yeah, you really did. It was great, you know? And, and, and But for 20 years, the kid has this memory of, like, I built a treehouse with my dad. I partnered with him. And the dad's like, absolutely, it was worth it. That's our treehouse, you know? That's what Noah's doing in this moment. And it's a beautiful partnership of the Lord. He does not want your credentials. He wants your heart. He does not want your skills or your gifting or your anointing. He just wants you to show up and be with him. Partner with his plan. So what's so cool, guys, is Noah is, I just picture him as just such a simple dude. (laughs) We don't know much about him at all. We don't know. He just showed up and was like, sure, I'll do it. Like, I'll I'll be faithful, God. And and you got to look at this and realize that this is consistent theme throughout the Bible. In Isaiah 6, he says, uh, the Lord's looking. And and he basically just says, uh, who will go for us? And Isaiah just says, well, here I am, send me. And he's like, okay, it's you. He's looking around. He's like, just who wants to partner with me? That's how you get chosen. If you want to be chosen to be used by God, just say, okay, I'm in. I'm in. You don't need a degree. Degrees are good. If that's what the Lord said, go for it, you know? But to be used by God, he just wants your heart. He wants your willingness. Are we a people who say, okay, we're in God, no matter the cost? Are we a people who said, okay, I'll, be, I'll just be faithful. I'll just show up, even if it's hard. And so guys, going down, so what did Noah do? Well, take a look at it. Uh, it says Noah in verse 22, he did everything exactly as the Lord commanded. So basically he just woke up the next day and just started. I mean, talk about being overwhelmed. How do you start to build a boat that holds every living thing on earth? Like, where do you even start? You're just like, um, I'm going to cut down that tree. I guess we'll probably need wood, you know, like, like how do you even start? And, and we look at it and we're like, we read it like a story where we're like, Oh, God said, build the ark. And then he did it. And then the ark was done. And then they got in. No, 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 no. That, that's hard. <laughs> like, like I, I can't even build a chair. Like, and he built something that held every living creature on earth. Like the, the, you look at the, 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 the smart guys, I don't even know their name. Uh, the ones who like study all this stuff, right? Uh, basically they say the commentators or whatever, they say that it took at least 60 to 70 years to build the ark. That one line, and, and he did everything God said, 60 to 70 years. They said a minimum of 60 years, right? So are we a people who can run for 60 years off of a single word of the Lord? I don't know about you, but 60 days later, I'm like, why did you forsake me? God, where are you? You know? And and like, it's 60 years of faithfulness, 60 years of, I don't want to do this. I guess I'll do it. Like you imagine, you know, maybe the first week or two, it was kind of awesome. Like I'm going to save the world, you know? But like, Three weeks later, it's kind of like, how am I going to save the world? A year later, you're like, this is crazy. This is insane. And, and you got to imagine every person, his wife, he goes to his wife, hey, um, 
when I was in prayer time and uh, I got a weird feeling that like water was going to come out of the sky and kill everyone. But we're going to be okay. Um, you know, don't freak out. We're going to be all right uh, because, you know, I'm supposed to build us uh, a boat. I know. For, uh, is there some? Okay. Yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> That's what his wife, his wife was like, what? Like, like that, basically, she looks at him like, what do you, what do you, dude, you got a family to provide for. You can't spend 24-7. Like, you can't spend all your time building a boat. Get a job. Like, you know, like, you, you're like, you have kids, bro. Like, you can't do stuff like that. Like, stop being so radical. Like, you have, you have responsibilities, man. Like, you can't just, like, give up everything and start building a boat because, like, in your quiet time. Like, like, did you talk to, like, did you talk to, like, I don't know. This is kind of crazy. Like, you know, and basically, can you imagine his friends? Like, I probably, if I were him, I wouldn't have told anyone for a while. I would just, like, try to keep it quiet. But after, like, a football field of wood is, like, in your yard, like, people are like, what you doing, you know, every single day? And he's like, um... You know, and when it's a project you've been working on for 20 years and the whole generation's born and is like, oh, that's crazy old Noah building his boat because we're all going to die, apparently. Like, you know, like, who's that guy? Don't talk to him, son. He's kind of crazy. He thinks we're all going to die. Like, like, you know, like, he says it's going to rain. And what's rain? Water falling from the sky. Oh, he's crazy. You know, like, like this is, this is what the dude's going through. You got to imagine it was cool for the first two weeks, but after 20 years, it's getting kind of old, right? You know, and so basically, Noah, I'm just picturing him as a dude, right? So Noah has days of energy and excitement of, I'm going to build the ark. It's going to be great. We're going to save everyone. You know, he's probably even paranoid, like, we all going to die. I got to build. I got to build. Like, I can't sleep. We all going to die. You know, like, like I, I, you know, like, and then he's got other days where he's just like, you know, like, this is, this is stupid. Lord, take me. I'm done. Like, I've done this for 20 years. I, I haven't even, I haven't even seen a mist. Like, how, how is this like, you know, and like, what? Like, you know, you got to picture him like, please put yourself in the story. Like, this is a real person in a real story in a real time. And you're just as human as he is. Okay. He actually knew a lot less than you did. He didn't even know the old covenant was ever going to come. Like he, right. You know more than he does. Okay. So basically what I love is Noah day in, day out collides his free will with the sovereign plan of God. And, and, And basically what I wonder, guys, is so often we have these encounters, these dreams, these words, these devo times. How many of them are left as journal entries and never actually come to pass because we're not willing to do anything about them? What if Noah just is like, I'm just going to write that. That's a cool word. You're going to save the world. You know, 20 years later, why am I going to save the world yet? He's like, dude, cut down a tree. Like, like just start work, do, going for it. I love it. One of my great friends, uh, mentors, leaders, buddy of mine, a guy named Johnson Doan. You should give him a holler if you know who he is. One time he was talking to him and he was like, you know, Taylor, you can uh, shock it up a sundial until the cows come home. Uh, but uh, until you get up and do something, nothing's going to change. <laughs> you know, and this is my question. Are we faithful to the word the Lord has given us? How can he give us a new word if we're not faithful with the last 20? You know, like how can he entrust us with, you're going to do these great things. You know, you're going to, this is you. And you were like, wow, that's 
that's awesome. But I so often I see us and I see myself, either two things happen. I get so overwhelmed with the word that I just say like, I don't know I'm going to do that. So I just put it on the shelf somewhere. I was like, well, maybe one day, you know, uh, or I just say like, that's not God. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and then nothing ever happens. But what if I just picked up the board and just said, I don't get this, but I'm just going to build. You know, I don't get this, but I'm just going to put the board there like he said in the little book, the blueprint, and I'm just going to put it there. You know, and, and basically, I love, I love, I love his faithfulness. You know, no, what are you, you going to do? I'm just going to pick up that board and I'm just going to nail it to that one. You know, dude, you've been doing this for 20 years. I know, but I'm just going to pick up that board and I'm going to nail it to that one. You know, what, what does God want you to do? Why you? I don't know. I don't know why he chose me. I'm just going to pick up that board and I'm just going to nail it to that one over there. You know, what? what? How is this going to hold all the animals? I don't know. I just know I'm going to pick up that board and I'm just going to nail it to that one over there. You know, dude, it's been 20 years. Get inside. I don't know. I can't. He promised. I'm just going to pick up that board and I'm just going to nail it to that one over there. You know, like... Like simple, oh, this is simplicity at its finest. I'm just gonna pick up that board. I'm just gonna put it where he said to put it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what a boat is. I'm just gonna pick up that board. I'm just gonna nail it to that one over there. You know, like, like this is so simple. Simple obedience, simple faithfulness, simplicity. You don't have to be a scholar. So many scholars would be like. God wouldn't build it like that. He would probably just say, you know, like, that's not God. Like, he would do it like this over here. He'd put it in the shape of a cross, you know? Like, he wouldn't, you know, like all these things. And, and he's just like, I don't know about that. I'm just going to pick up that board. I'm just going to put it over there. <laughs> you know, like, like, it's easy, guys. It's easy. Just be faithful in the season that you are in. What's the rain going to be like? I really don't know. How's the whole world going to be destroyed? I just don't know. Uh, how is this promise going to be fulfilled? I don't know. I'm just going to pick up that board. I'm just going to nail it to that one over there. Like, like it's so easy, guys. This is, this is encouraging to, to a simple man like me. This is super encouraging just to be like, how am I going to fill stadiums? I don't know. I'm just going to pick up that board. I'm just going to nail that one over there. You know, like, how am I going to get a degree? I don't know. I'm just going to do this. I'm gonna do that. How, how am I going to, you know, like all these things. How, how do I become that man? I see 10 years down the road. I don't know. But he promised me that if I pick up that board and I nail it over there, that I'm going to make it. You know, like, I don't know about you. Just pick up the board and just nail it to the other board. You know, like, this is the heart of God. So good. That's good. This is why Jesus used fishermen. Because the Pharisees were so like, wait, this doesn't make sense. No, no, you, I, I, where's your theology? Whereas the fisherman's like, I'm just going to tie this to the thing. I'm just going to throw it on the water. Wow. And just wait. <laughs> you know, like, this is why, like... You know what I mean? Like, what do you do for a living? I fish. What's that? I just, I just pick this net and I just throw it in the water over there. And then I just wait and I just pull it up when it's ready. <laughs> okay. All right. That, and Jesus is like, you're the perfect man to change the world. You're perfect. I choose you. What about that guy over there with the degrees who's preaching in the temple and doing all these crazy stuff? Yeah, the problem is, you know, I, I, I asked him, but he just said, like, that doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do that. Show me where that is, you know, and all this stuff. He's like, but you, you just, you just said, okay. Literally, if you read the story of the disciples, Jesus is like, follow me. And they're like, <laughs> they just start following you. Like they just draw, it says they drop their nets and they're like, well, I, I hate, well, I mean, I could fish still, or I, I guess I could follow him. I mean, what I got to lose, I'm just going to follow him. Like, you know, like simplicity guys, faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. Are we a people of faithfulness who is able just to pick up the board? It's mundane, but I'm going to build it's boring. I'm going to build. I haven't got a new word in 60 years. I'm just going to build. 
You know, like, I, I, I'm just going to keep doing it. Why? I don't know. He told me back then he hasn't given me a new word, so I'm just going to keep building. <laughs> right? Hey, this is so easy. And how do I know God loves this? Um, I know, guys, because there's this guy in the Bible. Don't know if you've heard of him. His name's David. Um, he basically, I know he's kind of an obscure character in the Bible, but basically this man is, he's the guy in the Bible where God said, this man carries my heart. Like, wow, what a description on your tombstone, you know, like carried the heart of God, you know, like that is cool. Like this guy had a PhD. That's kind of cool, I guess, you know, but that's like a title from man. God said he has my heart. You know, I I don't know many other people in the Bible. There might be one, but he's like the only guy that I see consistently. God's like, he has my heart. He has my heart. And so this man, uh, he wrote a lot of poetry because he had a big heart, and so he was very emotional. And so he wrote a lot of stuff down. You know, uh, it's cool. I'm one of those, you know, just like, I'm just going to write poetry, you know. And, and basically, he, he, he wrote a book in the Bible called Psalms. He wrote a lot of it, not the entire thing, but a lot of big chunk of chapters inside of it. And, and basically, this guy, if you look at it, like what poetry and like writing and all these things often reflects the heart of the person writing it, right? Rarely does someone write something and be like, oh, I don't, that's not in me at all. I just, that's nothing like me. You know, usually like the word represents the author who wrote it, you know, the themes, it's what's going on inside of their heart. If you read someone's poetry, a lot of times you're like, wow, you have a beautiful heart. Or a lot of times you're like, dude, you need counseling. You know, like we should, you know, like based on your, you know, based on a lot of things that you're writing about. And, And so you look at the poetry of the guy who has the heart of God and you can see the themes that are on his heart. And if he has God's heart, then you can see the themes that are on God's heart. Does that make sense? If A equals B and B equals C, C, you know, like A equals C, right? I'm not a mathematician. I just know how to pick up a board and put it there, you know? And so basically, if he has the heart of God and he writes what's on his heart, then the writings are pretty much going to reflect things that are on God's heart. Does this make sense, right? And so the reason I know God values faithfulness, I believe, above everything else is because David... He wrote, uh, like, there's 150 chapters in Psalms. He wrote, like, 75, somewhere around there. And basically, this guy, check this out. He wrote, I was looking, what are themes? I'm a simple dude, so I'm just like, when I repeat it, when I see a word repeat, I'm just going to box it in red. And I just started repeating this one word over and over, started boxing. I ended up boxing this word out of 150 chapters 121 times. There's a, there's a word in Psalms that he repeats 121 times. He didn't even write 150 chapters. He wrote about 75, right? And so he, and he repeated this word almost 121 times, right? And so this is like the number one theme of the book of Psalms. Which tells me, if it's the poetry of God, it's the number one theme that reflects his heart. Does this make sense? And there's this word, it's this one word that's called like uh, chesed. I don't know how to say it. It's like C-H-E-S-E-D. I speak English, not Hebrew. So if you speak Hebrew, I'm sorry. But I'm just going to say chesed because the doesn't work very well for me. So chesed. It's this word chesed over and over. Chesed. And he says, God's heart is chesed. He said, God's chesed will be with us forever. His unfailing chesed, right? So what does this word chesed mean? If he mentions it four out of five times he writes the Psalms, he mentions this word chesed right? I know you're proud of me. I just did it. Chesed, right? And so basically this word, when you look at it, a lot of times, guys, it's translated uh, to basically say uh, unfailing love. 
steadfast love, unfailing mercy, loving kindness. All the translations say it differently because there's actually a different way of saying it. Like it's like a word that doesn't translate clearly. One scholar said, you can't, you can't define this word. You have to explain it. And so let me explain the word for you. Cause we read that and we're like, Oh, God's love for me is, is enduring. That's great. I love cheeseburgers. You know, like they, they, we, we lose the word love a lot of times to, uh, you know, it's totally different. Like I love pie and I love my mom and I love Dominic and I love, you know, and I love, I love the new worship album by Jesus culture, you know, and I love dogs, you know, like it's, it's so like, we've lost the value of this word. So I need to explain what this word chesed means. Okay. So it says right here, Wait, let me find it. Yeah, right there. Okay, so it says right here. Um, basically, why can't, there it is. Okay, so it means enduring eternal undeserved love. Basically, this author, Dr. Uh, Lois Verberg, she basically uh, specializes in like Hebrew linguistics and stuff like that. She wrote, Hesed is a bone-weary father who drives through the night to bail his drug addict son out of jail. Hesed is a mom who spends day after day thanklessly spoon feeding and wiping up after a disabled child. Hesed is an unsung pastor's wife whose long suffering, tearful prayers keep her exhausted husband from falling apart at the seams. Hesed is love that can be counted on decade after decade. It's not about the thrill of romance, but it's about the security of faithfulness. Methodist preacher um, uh, and author and another linguist, uh, his name was N.H. Snaith, uh, writes about Hesed, and he wrote, not all of Israel's persistent waywardness could destroy it. Though Israel be faithless, yet God remained faithful still. This steady, persistent refusal of God to wash his hands of wayward Israel is the essential meaning of the Hebrew word, which is translated to loving kindness. This word stands for the wonder of his unfailing love for the people of his choice. The solving of the problem of the relation between his righteousness and his loving kindness passes beyond human understanding. This is the one thing that David was obsessed with writing about. Chesed. God is faithful, enduring love over and over. Four to five times. I don't know. He just said, I messed up. Said he loves me. He's unfaithful. This is the love of like the two old people that are 80 years old. And they're holding da- hands walking down the street. And you're like, you know, like I want that, you know, like this is that this isn't like the thrill of romance that you see in the movies. This is like something so much more. Anything could happen. It's not going to break this thing. This is the number one topic that God talks about in the book that reflects his heart. And so this is why I believe that faithfulness is so important. Uh, basically, David, when, when he was in the field as a shepherd, all he had was a said. When he went after Goliath, all he had was a said. When he was living in the caves and everyone wanted to kill him, all he had was a said. When he was king, everything was good. He said, the only thing I want is to seek you and your beauty, God. Just, I want your said. When, when he got kicked out of his own kingdom, he just said, I just want your said, God. He understood, all I want is the covenantal love with my God. And this is the one where God said, you get it. You have my heart. 
This is the faithfulness day after day that is not a momentary emotions, but it is an actual covenant for decades. This is the kind of Noah for 60 years. I'm picking up this board and I'm putting it over here and I'm nailing it to the ground and I'm going to pick up this board and I'm just going to go put it back over here. Like, I don't care if I feel it anymore. He promised me. I don't care if I get goosebumps. It's the same word I've been repeating myself every 30 minutes for 60 years. Like, I'm still running off of this word. Like, Hased, I'm going to keep building. Hased, I'm going to keep doing it. Doesn't matter if I feel a thing anymore. He is worth 60 years of being faithful to just because of who he is. And he Hased's me. And he wants a bride that can Hased back to him. He's looking for a bride to mature for his son, Jesus, that will Hased to Jesus, not just have a fling. He wants a people that don't want just a one night. Wow, I had a great encounter, a great worship night. That was awesome. I got healed. See you next Sunday, Jesus. He wants a bride that says, I don't care if I ever feel your presence. I love you and I am with you until the end. I will choose you day after day after day after day after day because I am in covenant with you. I am in covenant. This is why the garden had to have two trees in it, guys. Because we're always meant to look at the world, look at all these things, and say, no way, he is so much better. I'm going this way. Like, that's why, because that's real covenantal love. This is what you are called to as a Christian. This is, I'll lay down everything for this kind of a love. And I believe that Noah was chosen because he was the only one on earth who could be trusted. Yeah, he'll do this for 60 years. This, isn't, this is gonna take a while, <laughs> but he's gonna do it for 60 years because he's faithful. The, God is looking, he wants, I believe that God's most valuable possession is his heart. And I believe the most valuable thing he can give to us is his heart. And that's why sin separates us from him. And just like a divorce, it breaks the heart of both parties involved, right? And so sin breaks his heart. I'm not walking around like, oh, God said I can't party. You know, like it, it, what? I don't want to break his heart. I'm in covenant with him forever. Why would I ever want to hurt him like that? Like, it's so much better. Like, you're asking me to give up shells for diamonds. Like, what? It's worth it. It's worth it. And so I want to show you guys, and and, I'm going to be kind of coming to a close here. Going back to Noah, 60 years has gone by. Not a single cloud in the sky. (laughs) Ooh, that rhyme does great. Then the Lord, or go ahead and go to uh, 7, verse 7. It says, when everything was ready, 60 years later. The Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family for among all the people of earth. I can see that you alone are righteous. Two by two, and then jump to verse 15. It says two by two, they came into the boat representing every living thing that breathes. Even the spiders were there. And a male and female of each kind entered just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. How do you know when you're done with one season? and it's time to move into the next one. The Lord closes the door behind you. The Lord is the one who closes one season and moves you into another. Be faithful in the season you're in. That's all you have to do is just show up and be faithful. You don't have to figure out, but God, when? 
you promise, but God, how? But God, why? But God, I'm not good enough. But God, no, just pick up the board and put it over there. And when it's, everything is ready, he'll close the door behind you. God closed the door from one season of faithfulness into the season of outpouring. He took Noah's faithfulness, the free will of faithfulness. It's the most beautiful gift we can give him. How are we gonna be faithful in 100 years when it's like we see God himself? We're just gonna walk in the room and be like, glory, and hit the ground. Like, we're not, it's not like, it's gonna explode out of us. It's not like a, I don't feel you today, God. When you're seeing the throne of him himself, we, what an honor. We get 70, 80 years to choose to be faithful. That's one of the most beautiful gifts you could ever give God. I don't feel you today, Jesus, but I choose you today. I don't see you today. I don't understand you today. I don't really get you today. I'm kind of frustrated with you today, but I'm going to choose you today. You have the honor of only giving that to him for 70 years, 80 years, and we will never be able to give that to him again because we'll be in heaven with him. I can't be like, I don't see you, God. Where are you? When everything is glory, <laughs> you know, like it, you're not going to have that problem. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I'll get goosebumps when I see the throne of Jesus. You know, like I'm never going to, this is the only time of all of eternity, guys, this is the only time where you get to offer the present of faithfulness to him and say, I choose you. I choose you day in and day out. He's looking for someone who will choose his son, Jesus. He's looking for faithful ones who just simply get up and be faithful. So, what I love, guys, is if you want to change the world, just be faithful. If you want an outpouring of God, just be faithful where you're at. If you feel discouraged, it's okay. Noah probably was too. Just be faithful where you're at. If you don't feel like it today, it's okay. That's normal. That's a human emotion. Just be faithful. If you're having the best day of your life, great, awesome. You'll enjoy being faithful. If you're having the worst day of your life, it might suck to be faithful, but still be faithful, you know, because you just just day in, day out. He deserves it all. And I'm never going to be able to give him this gift again. And God, when everything is ready, will shut the door and move you into the next season. What I love about Noah is he designed the ark in a way where the door needed to be shut by God <laughs> somehow. Like, it's like that little, like if you have a little blender, the little plastic tiny piece on the top of the blender, you're like, how important could this be? And then you're like, you turn on the blender and everything flies everywhere. And you're like, turns out very important. Like basically the door to the ark is very important. If you don't shut the door, it floods and everything dies. Like the door itself, if it doesn't shut, 60 years was wasted. 60 years of faithfulness. Noah designed the thing with some crazy way. I don't know. Maybe he's just following God's directions, but he designed the thing that was supposed to save the world to have one major flaw. <laughs> it, it like if the doors doesn't shut, like God shuts the door. He, he, he didn't fall into this human thing of look what I built for you, God. He actually built everything. And then he said, and yet it'll still sink unless you show up, you know, like it's still dependent on you. It's still for you. Everything is for you. If you don't show up, we all die. Like it's, it's like, if you, if this is your plan, shut the door. And God was faithful. The key to an outpouring of God is faithfulness and dependency upon God to show up. 
Keep your heart faithful and keep you yourself dependent upon God. Design your life to where if God gets removed, everything falls apart. Design your life around the fact all chips are in. If God doesn't show up, we ain't going to make it. <laughs> like, like, I, like I've built my life on this place where if God doesn't exist, I wasted my entire life. You know, like basically because it's all dependent upon him and that's how you get an outpouring. Faithful to the current season and dependent upon him. So that is the key, guys. That is how somehow free will and sovereignty collide in this one moment of faithfulness of the plan of God and the response of of man to be faithful. He deserves faithfulness. Oh, what an honor to love him when I don't feel like it. What an honor to worship him. Some people are like, oh, I see all these crazy things around. I'm like, dude, I love that. I got a goosebump yesterday once. <laughs> like five years ago, I had something. Like, it's okay if you don't feel anything. It doesn't mean you're more or less spiritual. It doesn't at all. The question is, are you showing up and being faithful? I don't want to be one who the, at the end of my life, I'm like, look at all these cool journal entries of what God was going to do with me. <laughs> I want to be one that said, I only had one journal entry, but he did it, (laughs) you know? Like, I'd rather have one that he completed than thousands that I wasn't faithful to because I wasn't willing to step out and just build, build, just build. If you want to build an ark, just be faithful. And so, guys, um, we're done here, um, and basically, I just wanted to take a moment and really do, like, just a call, a call to action, you know, how many know that like a wedding is technically not legal unless there's an action that takes place? Like someone witnesses it, someone signs it. Even if it's the, the court, you have to go. If you don't have a wedding, you have to go to the court and you have to sign something saying you take action to say like, I'm in covenant now. There's something, there's a necessary thing, an outward action that reflects an inward covenant, right? And so I wanted to take a moment and if we could go ahead and just put on some uh, worship music or something like that, that would be awesome. And basically guys, I just want to take a moment and for people here to say, God, I don't want you to be stirred by emotions. I want you to be able to say, I'm in this for life. I don't want Christians that want like a fling with God. I want people that say for 70 years, I'm devoting everything I got to him. That's what I want, guys. That's what I want to see. A generation, a bride that sees his faithfulness and says, in return, I'm going to give you mine forever because you deserve it all. You deserve it all. And so, guys, go ahead and um, let's just take a moment. Just take a moment and just, yeah, bow your heads and pray. Thank you, God. And use your own words right now. Take 30 seconds or however long, whatever it is, and just say, Jesus. Your own words. Jesus, I covenant my life to you. Jesus, I want to marry you. Jesus, I'm in this for life. Whatever it is, you write your own vows.
Jesus, we love you. All of our days. All of our days. With all that we are, all that we are is yours. adore you. We adore you, Jesus. And so, God, we admit that though we love the feelings, it's not about the feelings. (laughs) We're not in this just for the honeymoon stage, God. We're in this for life with all that we are, all that we have. Make us a faithful bride. Make us a simple bride that's just faithful to your heart. And we surrender now all that we have. All that we are for all of our days. We want more of you, no matter the cost. So guys, now um, we're officially over, but I want to take a moment, guys, and uh, we can even, we're just going to maybe turn up the music if possible in a minute. And I really want to do a call for those who say, yeah, I'm in this. I'm in this for life. I'm in this thing. It's the real deal. And and for all of you guys, like, I really don't care if it looks messy, but let's, let's do something. Like, I want to invite whoever that is. If it's not, if you feel totally good, just stay in worship or you guys are free to go. We can officially be over. But I want to honor this moment and for all that feel the tugging of their heart of, I want that. I want that. I want to invite you just to basically come forward and you can sit on your knees, sit on, like lay down, lay on your face, whatever it is. But guys, we're so quick sometimes just to move on and be like, that was a good sermon. Let's move on. You know, uh, <clears throat> I want something real. And so, guys, we're, um, I'm going to put down the mic in a second. Maybe we can, guys in the back, we can just turn up the music and take a moment with you and your God, your Jesus, your marriage with him, and respond. And so, the room is open to you. Get on your knees, lay down, whatever it is. Um, but we're officially over, and if you have to leave, go for it. But it's totally open now, guys. And just take a moment.